Joe presents TKO together with 32 Red. Hello, everybody. Welcome to round nine of TKO here on Joe Together with 32 Red. We're a podcast and YouTube show, and we'll be with you every Thursday. Now, it's no secret there have been a lot of high-profile retirements in the last eight or nine months. We've had Anthony Gogo, James DeGale, George Groves, Tony Bellew, and the man in the studio with us today, the former Cruiserweight Unified Champion of the World and the Heavyweight Champion of the World, David Hay. Um, thank you for coming to see us. My pleasure. How have you been? Yeah, good. Been, uh, healthy, looking after myself, playing a lot of poker. Um, yeah, just you enjoying life. Not at the moment. <laughs> you know, I've got this big challenge um, playing the, in Goliath in uh, Coventry in the beginning of uh, August. And you know, I'm the face of it. It's the big, second biggest poker tournament outside of... So you're the David Vegas. in the Goliath. So I'm the, David, I'm, I'm the David going up against Goliath. So what they're doing, they're flying me around the world, training with all the best poker players in the world. I'm playing two or three tournaments a week, just really trying to... Because, you know, if there's a challenge... I want to do as best oh, as I can at it. So I'm playing, I'm playing. If you wanna... It's a great gig when you're a tower, yeah, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, I'm just yeah, going yeah. around playing, playing a lot of poker. Good and stuff. the good thing is it's not my money I'm playing with as well. <laughs> is it not? Yeah, exactly. So. That's a touch. You can be proper reckless. No, but I'm, if you're reckless, you're out. I'm gonna, it's, it's a, it's a, um, uh, you can't just keep chucking money into it. These, these tournaments, is, you, know, you, you, you get your chips and once they're gone, you're out. Yeah, okay. So I, I have to play strategically. I have to try to... I'm trying to. I'm getting there bit by bit. I'm so much better than I am now than I was like five, six months ago. How, how good are you on the scale of if, if zero's like the, the, the first time anyone's ever played yeah. and then a hundred's like the top pros, where would you say I'd you say I'm about 65. Okay. About 65 at the moment. For instance, I... Could have done a scale of not a town as well. It's easier than Thanks for that, <laughs> Yeah, great stuff. Well, that's great. That's one for the edit, isn't it? So, <laughs> cheers, lad. Um, and I found out about 10 minutes ago that you, another one of your table tennis rivals, there seems to be no end to these yeah. guys. The, the, the stat is at the minute I'm unbeaten at table tennis against any so other arrogant bo- about this this well. any other boxer. You know boxer's ever beaten. You know how you make a Jimmy you know, we, with a car park, so we got a table tennis. Um, uh, and we, we were playing, and he just he just ran, he just ran it. He we, to the point where we actually got a professional tennis player, <laughs> sorry, a French table tennis player, to like come in and pretend she was like she was working with us just oh. so we could get beat. It didn't actually happen, but yeah, still undefeated. That's been by, by uh, quite clearly, mm. quite clearly. It's just the reflexes. I tell you what, it's, it's that little touch you got. He's right, good. I'm the right build for table tennis. Well, yeah, because a bat to you is massive, or is a bat yeah. to David sort of like Ooh. he does stand on is the that... table when he's when he does that. Sabutio yeah. for Carl, basically. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, uh, we need to get this round robin. Played Ron McIntosh, who was hitting his head on the yeah, rest six of foot stuff. nine, yeah. six foot nine, six yeah. foot ten. He was definitely at a disadvantage, but he was playing Sabutio. He was on his knees. <laughs> Oh, boys. Right. We've actually got to start talking about something okay. of any merit here. Um, so you had a career that spanned, what, three decades from amateur to your last fight? Yeah. That's a long time, given that you're only 38. Good. 38 now. So that, lot- that sounds strange saying it. Yeah. 38. How do you feel in your body? Because you had so many injuries. I, I feel, sounds crazy, I feel amazing. I feel as good as I've can ever remember physically i can run i can jump i can play basketball i can do all the things i wasn't able to do whilst i was actually competing you know i was always had some crazy injury i was always worried that you know, my back was going to go on my my was going to turn my ankle now you know for instance when i while while i was boxing i'd get out of bed in the middle of the night and literally i could barely stand up straight i'm hunched over my my both my achilles are killing i'm like hobbling around like an old man 
now I'm sh- jump up and right as rain. It's like my body's just gone, ah, just relaxed, and it's it's given me that time just to rejuvenate. And I feel I feel way younger than I did do for my last probably six seven years as a as a competitive boxer. Interesting, that. Yeah, I feel better. I, I, I always I start to feel like that soon. <laughs> <laughs> right on the cusp of I, 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 I always thought whilst I was boxing, oh, you know, once I finish boxing. I'm just going to be in complete bits. I always thought, oh, if it's this bad now, whilst I'm fit and while I'm training all the time, eating healthy and how, how basically once I've retired, yeah. but for some reason it's gone the complete opposite and I feel better than ever. It feels like I'm fresh, but I know just because I feel, If you start putting the volume on yourself that you the did. The body will just break down because so, the, yeah. like, the body will break down. I'm fit and healthy for mm. a regular civilian. Mm. For a regular person who needs to run around, play some tennis, go play a bit of basketball, play a game of football, I'm fine. Mm. But if I want to start stepping into world-class, any type of arena, something's going to snap, something's going to pop. My body's told me, you're done at this level, son. This is it. It's enough's enough, and I've respect that now. I think the last the last um, couple of injuries was, was was my body saying, that's it. Yeah. And I snapped my bicep and my Achilles like in the, in the six-month period, and that's like... Two bad injuries for a boxer. Yeah. So time to time, time to call it quits. Because you had um, you had an injury going into Commonwealth Games when you were uh, yeah. a lot younger. Two thousand two. Yeah. I've, I've been plagued with injuries. I think the reason why I've been so injury prone is because I'm so sort of dynamic and explosive. Um, everything I do is a hundred percent. You done your hamstring? Haven't you? I've done my yeah. Just because I can run. Most people can't pull their hamstring. I can get up now and generate so much force running that my hands maybe not both yeah, of them but yeah. one of them will tear but most people can't explode that much to tear it you're fast you know? twitch basically very very much right yeah. and it's worked great in the ring because it means i can go from here bang knock people out without trying but the the, the downside is the gen- the force generated he's biceps tear rotator cuffs you know everything mm. seems to pop i've done hamstrings so many times calf the kid it's you just can't generate that much power and not get the downside. So I've got the high knockout ratio, but I've got the high injury rate. So I'm kind of happy how it worked out, you know, because, you know, the fact that I was been able to knock so many people out over the years meant I didn't have the ring time, meaning I didn't take that many punches. Mm. So my career's been able to go on longer. Whereas someone who couldn't punch so hard and had to go 10, 12 rounds every mm. time, that's when the, adam- the damage is accumulated. Mm. It kind of balanced itself out. I think those those attributes of explosivity and the, and the, the speed of your movement and that power at cruiserweight was yeah. one of the reasons why, as not an enormous guy, you mm. could step up. Because we were talking about Alexander Usyk moving up yeah. um, as somebody that is special and unique yeah. in that cruiserweight division. Mm. And in order to mix it with the real giants as they are these days, because the old heavyweights weren't that much bigger than no, you, really. Ali, the same and, size as Ali. Yeah, you know. Foreman was six four. People think of mm. Big George, but mm. these days he wouldn't have no. even been. No, you know, it was that only. Big. Was he at 215 pounds yeah. when he fought um, Ali, you know, and he was considered a monster mm. at the time. And t- in today's time, he was, you know, he'd be considered a very, let's say, take 15 pounds off and go and fight in the cruiserweight division. The, the difference between David and Usyk is David has always been a serious puncher, so, and he's been athletic and he can move around. Usyk's mm. a, more of a mover, like fluid yeah. mover, but you could, you could put the big heavyweights over. Like, he's the only man that ever really hurt. Valuev, mm. who was got amazing twelfth round giant, you know what I mean? Yeah. Speaking of David and Goliath, I mean that was your coming out party <laughs> at heavyweight, really, yeah. wasn't it? Um, you had one fight before that. I had one fight against a guy called um, Monty Two Guns Monty Barrett. Barrett yeah. who, who was like a top ten ranked 
heavyweight at the time. It was my first. What did he, did he fall? Come he the ran into the ring, yeah, because I was, I was in a change room <laughs> and I it was at the O2 Arena and my first fight thinking, okay, it's South London. It's, I'm, I'm now the, I had won the Cruiserweight Unified for the Belts against Enzo Macronelli in that same venue the fight before. So I thought, this is all my people going to yeah. be here. And I'm in a change room waiting to come in and I heard this big roar and I'm thinking, where did this guy get all these fans from? I was like, how does anyone know who he is? He's from New York. Anyway, I come out, I had the fight, knock him out in five rounds. Then afterwards, I realized he ran to the ring, tried to vault the top rope, caught his foot on it and landed <laughs> on his head. And you can Clown. YouTube that and see that for yourself. <laughs> but um, that's why, but it wasn't the raw, everyone was just laughing. Everyone just it was yeah. cracked up at this guy landing on his head. Wow. So um, it, was a tough, it was a tough fight. He decked me pretty hard. Yeah, early, early in the Yeah, he kind of knocked me down and... I wasn't. It was. I think it was the fifth. It was the, fifth, it was the round that I knocked him out, and he he sort of hit, it was a sort of flash knockdown. Then when I was on the floor, he hit me with a big shot, and that really I was like, oh, spaced me out. But then I chinned him about twenty seconds later, so it worked out. Yeah, right. it worked out all right. And you go from because that was a sensible opponent in mm. the sense that he was. I think he was about 36, 37 at the time. Yeah, yeah. He was six three. He wasn't yeah. like a monster. Mm-hmm. And when you look at, I mean, Usyk, you know, potentially stepping up. They're looking at guys of that kind of size. Yeah, for his I, think initiation. Were, I think that'll be. I think the where Carlos Takam is. is yeah, I've seen that. I'm not sure if that's happening. It'd be a good, be a good, good opponent. I used Carlos Takam as a chief sparring partner when I fought um, uh, Derek Chisora, mm. and he's a handful. Remember and you saying, yeah, yeah I he's, a, he's, saying a, he's, a real, he's a real handful. He just keeps coming, and it will show whether Usyk uh, can deal with a real heavyweight because Takam is a real heavyweight. He's got. He's a big, solid guy with a solid chin. And I think that'll, that'll show people if he can mix in the heavyweight division. I think he needs to generate a little bit more power with, with his shots. He's super skillful. He's got all oh, you can't, you can't teach him any more skills than he's got. Mm. I think the reason why I was able to have the success I did at um, heavyweight was because I was able to gain the big man's respect by hitting yeah. him with a hard shot. Mm. You know, the big guys are used to sort of coming forward and walking in shots. But when you hit a big man and it shakes through his boots, he thinks, oh, I can't just walk forward now. Or every time he jabs you, you slip and counter him. It stops him punching. Can Usyk counter to the point where he hurts the heavyweight and stuns him and stops him punching? I had, I had a thing where I was able to stop and nullify my opponent by punishing him. And I did it in the first two rounds. So I'd have to hit him as hard as I can after when he's jabbed me. Um, and he throws a jab, just trying to get, trying to impose his size. As soon as he puts his hand up, you slip inside and crack him, and do it a couple of times. He then thinks, okay, I can't really jab anymore. And then he's already on your, he's where you want him to be. Mm. You can start playing from then. Then you can relax, drop your hands, and bait him out, and then really counter him. I think uh, Usyk has the ability to do that, but you have to get into range to do it. You can't run away all the time. Sometimes you've got to come in come into the danger zone and really land some big shots. Mm. Usyk has shown that he can, he's got all the skills. He beat all the guys in, in the, as an amateur, um, you know, Olympic gold medalist, you know, he won all the belts at um, uh, cruiserweight, you know, his fight. But then again, Sam said that the, the fight he had with Tony Bellew, you know, I had Tony Bellew w- winning that fight. So he can be outboxed. Mm. He can be outboxed. And, you know, Tony Bellew is a, a similar size to him. So it's, it's, it's a really interesting one. I think if anyone's, going to go on to the heavyweight division and be the cruiserweight and heavyweight because it's only me and Evander Holyfield who's ever been cruiserweight right. champion then heavyweight I think for the moment he's the only a, he's the only guy who can do it soon other than um, Akoli you know, I think Akoli big guy isn't he? he's a massive mm. massive guy and I think of all the of all the cruiserweights outside of Usyk I think um, Lawrence is the guy who has the frame he has a punch power. I've watched him do some amazing rounds of sparring behind closed doors. 
and he's so much bigger than me. Mm. I've stood there, he's literally two he's inches really taller than me, yeah. wider than me, longer arms. I'm thinking, this guy can be a two-weight world champion. Mm. I'm positive about it. He can take a shot as well. You know, a lot of tall-skinned guys can't really take a shot, but he can take a shot. So I think of all the, the heavyweight, you know, as good as Yusuke is, I think um, Akoli has the physical attributes to go further than him. Obviously, he's, a, he's only a novice now, and he's only had the Commonwealth champion. But once he starts challenging for these world titles, I think he's going to be the next guy. To, if, it can't, Bruce, if it can't, if it can't, if it, if it can't yeah. be um, Yusuke, I definitely think um, Lawrence is the next guy. He's a little bit behind in terms of where he is in the, pre- yeah. in, the, in the pecking order of the cruiserweight division, but he's the next danger man. Remember got- I said it here first. Remember, remember yeah, I said we that will. here. We remember will. I said that here first. Because you've got, obviously, Yusuk and Gassiev moving yeah. up to heavyweight, which leaves a few gaps. You've got like Andrew Tabiti and, um, you know, Dortikos, sort of, who, who performed mm. well in the Super Series. Mm. Lawrence is looking to step up, they think, against an old Dennis Lebedev. I mean, mm. you won the European title and had, I think, four defences in yeah. about a year. Mm. Do, do you think, Carl, we're slightly in danger of moving because of the gaps that have appeared with like yeah. yourself, retiring Tony and, and all the rest of the guys we mentioned at the top of the show, in danger of trying to rush those young guys to fill those gaps before they're ready? I'm not sure. And that's that's the job of a good management team and a good promotional outfit behind you. Like Boxers, and I've always said it, boxers will fight anyone. And it's it's about getting the right fights at the right time. So... Lawrence Alcoli, although we're talking about him and other guys moving up, he doesn't need he doesn't need to be pushed too far too soon. But mm. I agree with David and what you're saying. He could definitely be a, a, a cruiserweight world champion. He's definitely got the frame to be a good yeah. heavyweight too, for sure. So, Everyone always says he, he's deceptive. I think because he looks tall and stringy, he's a he's a very physically strong guy, yeah. hard to push back, yeah. and he's done as many rounds with Anthony Joshua's. Probably, probably anyone in the world as yeah. well, which is stands you in good stead. I so suppose. he knows he he knows what it's like to mix with the big men. Mm. And uh, by all accounts, he's, he's, he's held his own against everybody, so, all the big guys. So speaking of big guys, Nikolai Valuev, mm. I can remember watching it growing up as, <laughs> as a fan of yours in the 2000s, and then suddenly this guy comes out of the, the Russian mountains. <laughs> when did you, mm. you... There must have been a point, because he's such a striking mm. guy to look at. There must have been a point where you first heard of him, first saw him. Yeah, I, went, I went to see him fight in, um, in East London. He was actually um, uh, managed by Frank Maloney many, many moons ago. And I was still an amateur. I was probably... 15 years old at the time and I heard about this giant he wasn't world champion then he was only just coming through and I heard about this big freak show heavyweight who's 7 foot something and he's fighting East London so I remember I went down there with my boxing boxing team at Fitzroy Lodge and I saw the size of this guy he was only fighting the pudding he knocked someone out but I remember going up next to him thinking oh, I'm thinking <laughs> what the hell yeah. and then fast forward 15 years or what it was and then I'm 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 getting in the ring with him. Oh, was that was that long ago? Yeah, it was a, it was a real real long time ago. Wow. You, you like how does Frank Maloney end up managing Nikolai Valyev? How does that even come about? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no good, good question. But, no good. Like you you look you look at him and he's like he's you think just because of the size of him and the way he looks that he's got to be a big thunderhead. Yeah, but he's actually pretty clever. Isn't yeah, he? He, yeah, he was a lot. He was a lot faster than I hoped he'd be. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was hoping he'd be way slower than he was because because he doesn't put too much weight into his shots. He's able to just kind of flick his arm you out. But, to, but his arm's so heavy that's like a regular shot yeah. for uh, wow. someone putting some meat into it. So uh, it was really funny because when I was a little kid, I used to watch uh, Rocky Four as my favorite mo- favorite movie when Rocky went to Russia to fight Ivan Drago, and for some reason, I've always thought. I want to be. I'm going to fight this big Russian for the heavyweight title. I said I was going to be heavyweight champ since I was a, even younger than mm. that. And over the years, I, whenever I visualise being heavyweight champion, it's always against a, some giant Russian guy. And then randomly, 
here I am. I've got, I had that opportunity, you know, to have the WBA title, you know. So it was a, it was a, it was an amazing, it was an amazing experience because I kind of knew walking into it. I thought this is it. This is what my whole life's been set for. Because I've said it to so many people growing up that I'm to be heavyweight champion of the world, mm. you know, and uh, I've got my own version of Ivan Drago and Nikolai Value. I remember watching the food, and I was actually in. I was with Paddy Barnes and we watched it in Paddy Barnes's flat he had at the time and there was a squad of us over watching it and watching the fight I just remember the last round we all fucking erupted <laughs> like holy shit these, the big man's the going big here hand. and you were champion out to use for most of that fight yeah either, yeah no I hit him with the, the one that hurt him was a big left hook yeah I, I, I hurt my right hand earlier on in the fight but I was just I had to be really uh, I had to try to change my style quite a bit to sort of influence the judges and the fact that having a, a regular boxing match with him, he's just too big. And yeah. I got, so I had to hit him with hard shots and then step away and yeah. stay calm and walk around him like I'm the sort of bull. Uh, sorry, like he's the bull, I'm the matador. Just mm. kind of just making him He's in the sense of just he's doing circles. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. So it, it, worked, it worked the treat and uh, it, was, it, was a, it, was an awkward, it was an awkward fight. It wasn't a tough fight. It was just a, it was a, a physically... Um, demanding fights. I had to move more, and every and so I couldn't just throw a jab like that. I had to come in, I had to faint, faint, mm. then come in, with it, give my shots, and then get out and Straight roll. Out. So I had to do that continuously without getting hit at all, because you know I, I'm, a, I'm effectively a cruiser. I was only 15 stone seven, I think, for that fight. It was 23 something stone, so we had a bit of a, a weight advantage. So I couldn't, af- I couldn't, I couldn't afford to kind of just get do my work and step out as he throws a big hook get caught at the end of it yeah. it's just too heavy and it would just dumb me and you did a lot of work to the body because I guess you're, yeah. you're not I mean his head's a massive target mm. but also it's, I had it's to keep, miles I had above. to keep hitting him in his solar plexus but it just felt really solid you, I've never hit anybody do you think you hurt him to the body at all? nah nah I, I remember digging him really and it just so and he just, sick yeah it <laughs> just did nothing we kind of bounced I was like hitting a heavy bag it was a really strange <laughs> sensation you have to um, feel like you can't move somebody at, at all. No. And you were a puncher whenever, whenever as well. I got, whenever I got, I think I got into like, like two or three clinches and I just, I was like, I don't even bother. This. Just, <laughs> I had all this hairy hair in my face. I'm like, <laughs> but thankfully the referee um, break it, broke it and I was able to move around wow. carry on with my uh, matador move. But yeah, it's good, good, uh, good memory. It's a long yeah. time ago. Eight, uh, ten years ago, two thousand nine. No, sorry, t- yeah, 2009, yeah, two thousand nine. Yeah, nearly ten years. And you, and you must, you must have known, or did, did you know you'd done enough? Did you? Yeah, did, yeah, yeah. I felt, I felt like I, you know, cause I was kind of, I kind of count in my head how many punt, clean punches I land on him and how many he lands on me, and I was out landing him. There wasn't a big punch um, output. The way I saw it, if you throw. 150 punches and land 150 and he lands 100 as far as the uh, the the judges are concerned yeah a lot of punches whereas if i threw 20 clean shots and landed he landed two that's a clear difference i'm landing every 20 seconds and he lands once once a minute you know which just makes it so clear for the judges one judge actually had it a draw um, the other two had me by I think four or six rounds of had me quite big that's what you often say about Fury and Klitschko isn't it because everyone remembers it as a schooling but actually yeah. it was he won He won most of the rounds but there wasn't a lot yeah, thrown by either no, party there wasn't, it wasn't a lot of feints a yeah. lot, lot, of, lot of movement yeah. it was, depends how you score that Who, well, people got, talk about that of being so one-sided that fight no, and I, I don't get no, it it wasn't one-sided I, I think Fury won the fight but it was it was pretty close mm. yeah. I'm looking forward to when these two get it back on again because yeah. you can see it from both both uh, fighters' perspective. You can see Wilder missing Amos in the first fight. And oh, you Wilder can, Fury you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, Wilder yeah. Fury. You can see what he'll need to do 
in a rematch in terms of not trying so hard and yeah. trying to get behind his boxing. Mm. And, you can, and you, you can see also Fury learning from that fight yeah, he had. Better and then the, you know, the shots that he got caught with, will he get caught this time? Because mm. he's been in there at that yeah. level. He went from no level to world level and nearly did it. Yeah. So now he's done. Now he's, now he's got back into world level flow. He's only going to be better, but that's, that works also for Fury. So both fighters are going to be improved, but who can improve the most? Yeah. It's a really interesting fight. I mean, Wilder hasn't shown a great deal of variety from, from fight to fight. Can he make those adjustments at 30, 33 now? I'm not sure. Uh, the thing is, well, yeah, why not? It's like, he's not, a, he's not an old heavyweight at that age. How yeah. many miles on a clock has he got? Yeah, really? I, yeah not a lot. Um, mm. He chins people. He puts them to sleep, most of them. I think he's only went a distance twice, is uh, it? In 40 fights mm. or whatever the record is. So, But he's always so dangerous because, you know, Wilder is an M, Wild by nature, but he swings from his boots. Mm. But if he lands, like, he can take any of these boys out. He's the kind of guy that very skillful fighters can make him look very silly. And I can remember the first time seeing him look particularly silly. He was actually in the sparring video mm. of mm. you and him. And I know, obviously, selective clips mm. are put out, you know, that favour one side mm. or the other. But it looked as if, you know, you were dealing with him well in sparring. That was a few years ago. He's, he's got... Uh, when he's wild, he's wild when he normally has people hurt. You can't just be wild at world level. You get knocked out. I mean, he has been knocked out for a reason. Because um, I think his worst fight, technically, was the Fury fight. Mm. I've never seen him literally come in. He was coming over the shot and missing. His timing was way out. I think he really wanted it so much. But this was the first fight he was in there against someone... Who could move their feet. Who could move feet. And someone who he didn't really fear. Against um, Louis Ortiz, mm. I think he feared him a little bit yeah. because he was a bogeyman. He, he was a South boy, he was Cuban, he had a load of amateur fights. So he was a real danger man for him. So he switched on. He was really jabbing well and he was working. He got hurt a couple of times, but he was able to close the show with Fury. He didn't walk in there with that same fear. It looked like he walked in there just went, as soon as I hit him on the chin, I'm going to knock him out. Yeah. He kind of maybe started reading his own press, press clippings and uh, yeah. didn't really realise the reason why he's been successful in the past is because he's got a great jab I, I've always said this his jab's fantastic but he didn't use it in that fight he's a much better I've jab I've been in there believe me I've, I've been there with some yeah. great jabbers and his jab is world class yeah. you know, hard jab straight shots he wasn't throwing straight shots he was throwing all hooks and I think he'll watch the fight back and go Ugh, mm. I could have made this way easier but it's not going to be easy next time because Fury's going to be better he's mm. going to be better and Fury's going to be better so that's why yeah. I just want to see how much better both fighters can be. It's going to be a great fight. Do you think he took that early because he thought Fury was was kind of still on the ascendancy and, and he thought he could catch him before he kind of hit his peak again? Well, probably. At the, again, I, I think it's down to teams making fights, though. I think he'd have, he'd have taken it whenever. Um, and I think that there's a lot of money on the table. Um, I don't think Wilder was probably too concerned, really, at the time. Like, I'm going to get Fury now before he gets any better. I want to knock him out. I think... Although I give Fury the last fight, if they do fight again, Wilder will still think at this point in time that he can beat Tyson Fury. What did you make of him as a guy when you when you met him? Did you speak to him much when you sparred him? Do you want to say Wilder? Yeah, he came over for two of my training camps. He came over for the, the Klitschko fight and then the Tyson Fury fight that got aborted. Nice guy. Um, great guy. Plenty of energy, plenty of fun. We did loads of stuff behind the... He wasn't just a sparring partner. He really helped me with my training. Like, he put the body power the body bad on would, would work on drills so he was really uh, involved heavily in, in, in assisting me and getting the best out of me I remember back then I think it was only he had like 25 or 26 fights unbeaten at the time so he was, he was still a pros- he was still like a, considered a prospect mm. he hadn't fought any big names um, but yeah I, I could see and everybody in there knew like this guy is going to be world champion one day and it was just nice to have someone 
like dangerous, like every spy. If I left my chin hanging out, I had to be as focused for sparring as I would be for any one of my fights because he was going for the knockout in every round. But once the bell finished, hey, we put the call again. But it was nice to switch me on. You get some sparring parties, you go out, take a couple of jabs and just try to get a feel mm. for it and a block. But nah, none of that. You just get sparked if you do that with him. Is it good to sometimes have that fear in sparring? <laughs> of course, I think that's when you perform best in sparring. If you're sparring guys who are beneath your level constantly, sometimes you'll end up, they'll end up getting the better of you because you're like just going through the motions and, mm. and not really caring too much and maybe not wanting to take advantage of the lesser guy mm. so they clip you with shots you would normally get clipped with against a very good fighter so when you're fighting good guys you're you're definitely you have to switch on a lot yeah. more and I can't speak like like for, I can't speak for David but you have to switch on for a while you know what I mean? he's a serious punter <laughs> believe me I know yeah. Yeah. Um, you're listening to TK on Joe with me Chris Lloyd and Carl Frampton together with 32 Red we're a podcast and YouTube show you can subscribe via the usual channels now though here's Russell Kane with news of something else from Joe thanks Chris I'm Russell Kane please subscribe to my podcast Boys Don't Cry it's fascinating much needed it's not men in cardigans talking about their feelings and it's not men talking about boobs and football it's men being provoked into honestly talking about the things you wish they'd talk about ladies so lads listening for the awkwardness ladies listening with nosiness subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and by the way I'm not Nick Grimshaw Cheers, Russell. Welcome back to TKO here on Joe Round 9 with former heavyweight world champion David Hay uh, and Carl Frampton. Um, when was the first time you met David? Do you remember? Was it the uh, 2001 Belfast? 2001 Belfast. Remembers. I, that's good that he remembers because I've told him a story before. <laughs> <laughs> that's a funny story. So I'll tell the story. It's pretty, pretty funny. So 2001 was I 14. But as a 14-year-old, I looked like I was 10. <laughs> and I was in, I was over, um, some of the boys from our, actually my dad was like volunteering. Because if you volunteered and helped out, you got free tickets to all, all the shows. So I got like a week and a half off school to go to all the fights. Was this in between being a lemonade salesman? <laughs> in between. That. I hadn't started that job yet. Oh, sorry. <laughs> that's later down the line. Anyway, I was in the canteen and I was sitting with my dad. Um, and someone else, can't remember who else was there. And David was in the table next to me with Carl Frotch. Well, you got a silver and Frotch got yeah. a bronze, that right? Yeah. So I'm sitting there. And I, David was only a kid at the time. Well, like, 18, 19, 19. 19. Yeah. Right. So I didn't know who he was. But I had heard of Courtney Fry. Oh, this is the world, so of course. Yeah, yeah, the world's yeah. involved. So I got up, plucked up the courage to go over and ask David. How you doing, David? I was like trying to get my little program sent. I didn't say David because I didn't know who he was. But says, "Are you are you Courtney Fry?" And he was eating. He just went, "No, I'm the other one." And then, <laughs> <laughs> I just continued eating, and I went and sat there. And just said, but, uh, wow. So bad, so bad. Don't worry about it. Don't That's worry. amazing. It was a long time ago. <laughs> what are the chances? And then we were. How many years later? Then fifteen years later, you in the, you end up in the same camp together. Yeah, crazy. Hope you're getting trained by um, Shane McGuigan. You was yeah. already been tra- been trained I by was, yeah. Shane. I w- I'd, I'd watched his progress, and uh, when I wanted to, I was looking for a trainer. I, you know, Shane was top of the list. I'd seen what he'd done with you. I'd seen your style, the way you moved, mm. the way the punch variety. I thought I, I like me some of that, and mm. obviously uh, worked with uh, worked with Shane, and, and it, it worked great. Yeah, I really, really enjoyed the the energy in the in the gym. And, I enjoyed it too. Yeah, it I enjoyed fun. it. The big man here, he gets. Probably be fair and saying you would you would get a bit of stick on social media from time to time, but no one knowing you, it's like David's so generous. He's like a t- 
top guy, really nice guy, very generous, looked after me, felt like he kind of took me under his wing a wee bit as well, so that's all I appreciate, man. Oh, right, I, I guess that, that sort of like... The, the public response to you depends on how much you decide to put yourself out there. I mean, we've seen Anthony Fowler kind of, he put a picture of a pie up and said, I'm having some humble pie, I'm serving myself some after what, yeah. after what happened this weekend. Listen, we, we saw the way you put yourself out there in the build-up to the Klitschko fight and some of the others. Did you make a conscious decision to become almost like a slightly polarising character yeah. to, to, to push yeah. your career? Yeah, 100%. You know, one thing I realised over the years is, as sad as it is, being a good boxer and getting good results isn't enough. We need more than that. You know, there, are, there are many fighters, many world champions who earn peanuts because they don't have a fan base. They don't have a, an emotional connection with the fans. You need fans. I said it before. You need fans to either really like you and want to support you, want to pay money to see you win, or you want to see, or you want people to pay money to see you lose, mm. or pay money to. They have to, having it in the middle where they don't really care isn't putting any money into. The event, which means you don't get paid anything. So after the um, the Macronelli fight, um, I didn't have to really switch it on in terms of I'm now moving to the heavyweight division. I'm a cruiserweight champion, and you know I've just filled out the the O2 arena. That means so it means I'm I've I've got the I'm generating the money now. It's time to then start screaming and shouting. So then I, I had to switch the haymaker on full full <laughs> maximum strength, and it worked. You know, chasing around Vladimir and doing all that stuff. It really generated generated the hype and really got my name out there. Mm. You know, some people thought I was a dick. Some people thought it was funny. But either way, people felt something. People knew who I was because yeah. it was like the back page news. And um, I just continued it throughout my career and it seemed to work, work a treat. That just it reminded me, you see the Klitschko stuff on Sky where you're talking about his Borat voice yeah. <laughs> and he's going to shake the hand, dude. Yeah. But, you're, but you're laughing. Uh, but yeah, he's yeah, trying yeah, not yeah. to laugh. But you were laughing, definitely laughing. <laughs> he's just, it was a good TV people, wasn't it? That's why yeah. WWE is so, um, so popular. Mm. It always has been. It's because people want to see big characters saying things, doing things. Your mate Andy Shepard's on the way to WrestleMania. Yeah, exactly. moment, he? I went to uni with him. You know why? Yeah, like, a good friend of mine. Yeah, yeah good yeah, guy, yeah. good guy. He is. Um, but he'll tell you himself, people want to see the the hero and the heel they want to see you know people don't don't like each other no one's interested in two people who respect each other and want to mm. hug each other before the fight good luck i hope i don't hurt you i don't hope you too you know, no one wants that people want to see genuine conflict that's what boxing is essentially is two guys fighting each yeah. other and um everybody likes to see you know uh, mickey ward and Arturo gatti that's one of those rare occasions when you get two guys with no animosity who just whose styles gelled three times to the yeah. point where it was some of the greatest fights you've ever seen in life it's so rare that that happens um but you know floyd mayweather nassim hamid you know these mike tyson you know guys who've got very controversial careers and stuff that happens behind the scenes just converts into cash for everybody around. Mm. Could have had one made a little Santa Cruz, but the fucker won't fight me for a third time. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying long enough. I'm giving up. Do you think it's not going to happen? Don't know. Don't know. Well, I've seen the top rank now, so yeah. um, the Oscar Valdez fight is probably, probably the more one. realistic one, but I can't kind of wait on Leo Santa Cruz and let him dictate my career. Yeah, but if you can now have a belt off of founders, then that will tempt Santa Cruz into the third one. Why? There's nah. your thinking. Mm. I should have been a promoter. Um, we'll come on to that in a minute because that's obviously your your latest venture. Um, I guess at that point, though, when, when Vladimir Klitschko had reigned for so many years, th- those kind of actions and that, that sort of outrageous behaviour 
with the heads on the sticks and t-shirts and the, the game, the app, the game that you bought out. Yeah, yeah. I got that, by the way. <laughs> Couldn't believe it. I thought, I'm buying this, but well, everyone buys into it. Yeah. But it was a welcome antidote for, for, for a very, very stale heavyweight division that had been that way for a long time, really. Yeah, of course. I think, I think it always brings something, something to the mix and adds something to the heavyweight division, which was kind of boring for a while. And then it, it got boring again there for, for a few years and, and then... Like Fury and stuff, and Wilder come on the scene when they're knocking guys out. The Klitschko reign was like, was pretty boring. Like the wilderness yeah. years, weren't they? Really, it was, I tell you, the Klitschko's best fight, I'd say, was the Anthony Joshua fight. He was in terms of excitement, yeah. entertainment. Mm-hmm. You know, Easily. but it took him to get to forty odd years old for that for that to happen. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's a shame that you know the fight that entertained everybody the most. He, he lost. Yeah. He unfortunately, unfortunately lost that fight. But you know, fortunately for for Joshua, it showed the the new generation. You know, yeah. the universe can't have a forty year old beating a young undefeated young young lion like um, Joshua. So I think the the right guy won the fight. And um, off the strength of that, that really brought heavyweight boxing back because it was a massive event in Germany, in America, over here. It was huge. They sold out mm. Wembley. So I think that was putting box, boxing was back then on that night it was really back you know AJ was huge anyway but that just solidified him as one of the all time you know biggest pulls in the heavyweight division yeah we had to show a lot that night didn't yeah, we in terms of resilience yeah. and, and he hadn't had to up until that point no. he had a little scare against Dylan White um, mm. he wasn't knocked down but he was really hurt in this fight. Yeah. And a lot of people w- wasn't sure. I wasn't sure. You know, I assumed he had what it took, but I didn't know. You know, I, I was looking at him as an opponent at that time, thinking, oh, I'll do this, I'll do that. You know, and he got drilled real hard, but he, he smiled, he got up, and he turned the tables. Yeah. And that's, a, what, that's what a true champion is. You have to have a real gut check. Yeah. And, and even, even boxers are looking, right, Olympic champion, and he's a big lad, and he's brilliant, but nah. there's still them questions about heart until someone gets mm. hurt. Yeah. And he showed cr- tremendous does he, courage. Does fight. he get back up and walk back into the firing line? Or does he stay down? Does he try to wait to yeah. get out of the fight? And you know, he, he stood up and thought, okay, you want to play this game? Okay, you want to play rough? Okay. Yeah, incredible. <laughs> Unbelievable. I mean, because you, you, got, you got hit with that, that big pitch go right hand a couple of times. Yeah. But I think you, the, your style lends itself to taking the sting out of shots much yeah, more than Joshua's. If yeah. he gets hit flush, he gets yeah. hit flush. Yeah. Um, how hard is that right hand, the Vladimir Klitschko? Yeah, it's, right it's very hard. It was, it's very, it's very hard. Um, I think the way the shot that he got, he got hit with a bit higher on the head. Yeah, I was able. I was. I'm quite. I moved my head quite well, and the sparring I did with Deontay Wilder really woke me up. So my reflexes are super sharp. So I was. I didn't take anything. I took a few shots, flush, but nothing that would that would uh, knock me out. But he's, he's a heavy. He's got a heavy-handed guy, and he's so big and awkward, mm. and he's ungainly, and he puts his arms out, makes it difficult for you to get into range. And when you do, he, he clinches you, yeah. and he's so physically strong. He's like a whole size, couple sizes bigger than me. So it was just it was just an it was an awkward fight. But he was very he was very deceivingly fast. He had very very quick hands. Yeah, because that was the one of the things that you know he'd relied on was the the jab jab grab for so mm. many years. Mm. And the one time he wasn't stronger than his opponent, yeah. Joshua broke yeah. free, landed that uppercut yeah. on the inside that sent exactly. him unraveling and kind of grabbed. He, got, he, got, he, he, de- he developed a style against guys that are a lot smaller than himself. Yeah. So he was able when he fought Alexander Povetkin, same thing, jab, jab, grab, push him, him down, push him down, push and, and you got a big rock solid eighteen stone man pushing you down. It's a it's a lot of it's a lot of weight. And um he was able to do it for so long that became his style. So he tried to do that against AJ. AJ's the same size. You yeah. can't play that game with him. Whereas AJ doesn't do that. AJ stands and fights you like a like you should do. Mm. And 
Kitcho wasn't Kitcho wasn't able to match him fight for fight and end up getting chin. So um, you know it's good that AJ's developed a style which is very fan friendly. Yeah, you know a lot of heavyweights use their size and hold and lean, but you know he's he stands there and lets his hands go. Mm. which is fun for everyone watching. It's, it's easy to be a fan of someone who fights with the style that he's got. So, I mean, this round robin that we're, we're currently being dragged through the muck with Wilder, Fury and AJ, we know obviously on different um, TV networks now, different promotional entities, yeah. a lot of back and forth about money. Mm. Is it frustrating as a guy who, and I know you, you miss fights through injury, mm. but this isn't that. This is actually people actively moving away from fights and not making them happen when really they could just happen. What's it like for someone that's kind of now got the promoter's hat on? It's, it's boxing. You get, you know, whenever, whenever there's a fighter who can generate you know, tens of millions, you know, the people within the teams want to continue that journey mm. because every time they fight, they get a cut, they get a percentage. So do they want to put their cash cow in a fight where it's a 50-50 fight? Or they want an 80-20 chance of winning, as then being the 88% chance of continuing mm. their paydays throughout the years. So I'm sure all of the teams want these big fights, but they want them after they've had five or six smaller fights mm. when they've kept getting paid. And um, unfortunately, boxing, as much as a sport is, it's a business and uh, it's not regulated like tennis or football where you know Manchester United so I can't say I'm not playing Arsenal. Right, because uh, you know you can't you don't you yeah. can't do it. You just have to fight. A well, tennis player, you don't know, see Federer say, "I'm not playing Nadal." Mm. If you don't pay me X amount, mm. like, how much? Yeah. Does, here's what it is. You know, yeah, because that is the beauty of, of UFC, isn't it? Is that ultimately, yeah, it's got its flaws, but the best fight the best. Yeah. Otherwise, they're out. Exactly, exactly. But the thing is, you give it another ten years, and you've got Bellator, and you've got other these other organizations, and they're all trying to be competing with UFC, mm. and that's. What UFC is now is what boxing used to be. Yeah, that's true. Um, UFC seems kind of bigger than um, any of the fighters. The only time I've seen it really was when Ronda Rousey was 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 champion and Conor McGregor. Yeah, they they're the only two names that have really kind of become bigger than the, yeah, the yeah. sport of, your, yeah. of, of the, the, the mixed martial arts of sport and um, UFC is the promotional entity that have generated these two superstars and um, they're very few and far between you know they, it makes huge money but it's not any one individual MMA fighter that earns it it's the organisation it's worth billions now yeah. and um, no, I don't think any, any other it'd be tough for another organisation to, to reach those heights but it's so popular, it's such a grand sport, and people know when they tune in to whether it's uh, Bellator, whether it's um, UFC, they're going to get value for money because yeah. you've got these, even if a guy's 10 and 2 in boxing, you wouldn't really rate him that highly. Yeah. But it doesn't work like that because yeah, yeah, the yeah. best fight the best so often, they kind of accept that not everyone can win. No one says, you know, Djokovic isn't great because he's lost eight matches in the last five years or. It happens if the best fight the best and everyone's evenly matched. It just depends on the day. You know, mm. you can get different people win at different times. And the what, the thing I like about mixed martial arts, people accept a loss. You could get there's so many as hundred different thousands of different ways you can lose. And it's far less de- detrimental the the O in MMA yeah. than it is in boxing. Yeah, and I think I think that's a good thing. I think that's why that that the sport of of mixed martial arts is growing mm. is because you, people aren't afraid. Like you know, we've got the heavyweight division at the moment. You've got three champions. 
all of them claiming their number one. Rarely does that happen in, in, in mixed martial arts. You know, rarely do you have like three or four people at any one division claiming they're the best. It's like, yeah. no, they just fight we each know other and figure best, out. Yeah. We know who's the best. And I think, I think that's why um, mixed martial arts um, has a little edge over boxing in terms yeah, of clarity to the fans. It's easy to be a, a, a mixed martial arts fan because you get to see the best fight the best all the time. See, see talking about the zero in boxing, it, it means a lot more. I think in the UK than yeah. than anywhere else. For an example, I was speaking to Paddy Barnes today, who lost his last fight. Mm. He says the amount of Americans and Mexicans, although he lost to a bigger guy, but he put up a good fight and showed great courage in the fight. The amount of Americans and Mexicans who have followed him on Twitter and Instagram saying we can't wait to see you fight again mm. has been insane. But mm. UK fighters like oh, you, you get beat, you're shit. You know, that's you on the screen. There are certain fighters. I mean, Gabriel Rosado is probably the best example in recent times of a fighter who's lost multiple fights. And he's lost eleven or twelve now against really top opposition, all in their prime, and his stock, relatively speaking, hasn't really dropped. Mm. Khan is, is, of course, another yeah. one. He's lost a lot of high-profile yeah. fights. His stock is still kind of sky-high in the scheme of mm. grand scheme of things, still getting big fights. But it's still, we're still some way from, from getting away from that stigma attached to the O in boxing. What do you think will... Is there anything that can change that? Just people, people, the fans need to stop being so harsh yeah. when a fighter loses. For instance, you, for instance, let's just say Anthony Joshua has the mega fight against Deontay Wilder, for instance. And it's a 50-50 fight, close fight. Both get knocked down and then one wins on a split decision. Okay, mm. is the other one terrible? His career's over, he's finished, he needs to retire. Yet the other one who won on a split decision, he moves forward and he's the... No, it's like a close fight. You, know, yeah. you could put three other judges, you might have a different decision. Just because the, the end result says one thing doesn't mean that's who you are you're not a loser because just one judge had it one way or another mm. so you can't say someone's a loser they just lost that particular fight mm. and you can always come back and do it again I think people need to start people really when you, at the top level multiple fights against the best that's why you know Lennox Lewis fighting um, uh, you know Tyson Holyfield twice you know, he didn't get that fight with Riddick Bowe. And that, just that fight not happening kind of put a little bit of a kink in the heavyweight yeah. division of that area. Yeah. Ju- of just one fight and not fighting. Because we don't know how it would happen. Yeah. I think Lennox would have won. Yeah. But Riddick Bowe was a great fighter. We never know. He beat him in the Olympic finals. But we wanted to see it as a pro. We didn't get to see that. Mm. I really hope this era doesn't have that same missing, missing link. Because mm. you know, outside of Riddick Bowe, everyone seemed to have fought everybody. Yeah, you know, because uh, yeah, I mean, it is booming right now. We're at a point where... You know, there's more money in the sport than ever before. There yeah. are more opportunities trans- transatlantically mm. for UK fighters probably than ever before. Um, your man uh, is now Derek Chisora. Yeah, yeah. I didn't think I'd be saying that three years ago. And neither I know, did yeah. you, surely. No, no I, I, I didn't think so. You know, but Derek, you know, he's, he kind of must have looked at his career, looked at where he was, looked at what he could do, and may have looked at my career and thought, you know, I think you know, David could assist guide, guiding me you know, the right path, not only in... In the, in the in the ring, but also outside of the ring, you know, strength and conditioning is nutrition, you know, from sleeping hours, all literally trying to. I try to give her like a, I don't know, as much assistance as I can, so he just needs to focus on waking up, yeah. eating what he's supposed to eat, going to the gym. Who drives him to the gym? How long it takes? What route? He takes. There's a million different things that can take the stress away from a fighter. That's, that's more a mentor than a manager, though, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, mental yeah. manager. You know, I, I, I've been through it. I know what it's yeah. like. I know how it feels to, 
you know, have to cook your food after a food, after after training. You got to, you know, take your supplements and have your protein shakes and do all these so many different things. And a fighter just needs to worry about getting the ring fighting. So putting an infrastructure around him where we he can get the best out of himself. And uh, we, we we've we've teamed up with uh, Dave Caldwell, who who's who's done wonders in the in the short time he's been with him. Um, I was watching him sparring the other day, and you know a lot of the things, a lot of Derek Chisora's past flaws or things I'd say were weaknesses you know Dave's really started to build build his armory so he, he's moving his head he's throwing good counter punches he's you know he's not so square on he's he's just looking like the very best version of Derek Chisora I and mean, he's a need to be because saying that Gashi is a bit of a handful yeah you know he he took a fight you know, Derek's opponent on the yeah. 20th um of April at the Otorino um he took on um Carlos Sackham wasn't it Carlos Takam on two days' notice, and you know all about Carlos. Tackham. Yeah, Carlos Takam's, uh, you know, so does Derek. You know, he's a he's a right handful. So he took him on in two days' notice and gave a good account of himself. He got stopped, but he wasn't fit. He only had two yeah, days' yeah. notice for the fight. This time round, he's had like six, seven weeks' notice. He's in shape. He's coming to fight, and he he really wants it. So Derek hasn't got a, a knockover job, as they, they call it in the game. He's got a real a real tough good fight. You know, it could go ten rounds, and this guy's really really coming to win. And De- and, and we'll we'll see. Uh, how the the combination of um, the strength conditioning with Ruben Tabares, his coach um, is working with his coach Danny up in um, Rotherham, Sheffield. So we'll see how it's all sort of materialised. I think that we're going to see something special and I, I, I don't think that Derek Chisora um, journey is, uh, I think it's just starting. I think he showed in his last fight against um, Dylan White, you know, going 11 rounds, he was leading on the scorecards yeah. after having a couple of points deducted. Yeah. He showed that he does, he belongs at that level. You know, yeah. if, if Dylan White is considered the number one contender, which, and, he, is. which he is, Derek was then he was beaten up to 11 rounds. You know, mm. Obviously, it's a 12-round fight, yeah. but it showed he belongs yeah, in yeah. and around that level. You can't say he doesn't after yeah. that. So I think... Now he's better than he was for that fight. Physically, um, technically, tactically, he's a better he's a better shape now than he was for that last fight. So I think he's he, he's in the monks world level, and we want to just show we want to Here, show people. Here's one for you, like you knowing you and knowing like you can read a fight well mm. and tactically you know what you're talking about, mm. and even just listening to you here, you can tell that you're managing now. Would you ever train a fighter? To to, to train a fighter, it takes. Uh, maybe more time and energy than mm. I have realistically. It takes as much time as much as much energy as, as the fighter. You know, I've, I've, I've sacrificed X amount of years for professional boxing. And if I wanted to be a world-class coach, I'd need to be in the gym every single day. Yeah. I'd need to be studying tapes. I need to be, you know, w- watching his, his, his sprints, watching his weight training, making sure... Because whenever I do something, I kind of immerse myself in it and, and want to be the very best at it. And at the moment, I, I don't think I've got enough, t- got enough <laughs> yeah, time that's to, my, ju- that's to, my answer as well. to, to do it. I don't, yeah. to, you when I get asked that question, yeah. well, that's the exact answer yeah, I, I, I don't, I, Anyone can say, yeah, I'm your trainer, yeah, great. And, you know, yeah, throw a jab, yeah, left hook, yeah. yeah. It takes more than that. You have to live and breathe it. You really, really have to live and breathe it. You've got to take the punches. You've got to be in there. You've got to be with them, watching every single sparring, every passage, every shadow box, and you've got to watch it. You've got to record it. Go home and watch it mm. more. If you're the best, this is what Dave Coldwell does. Dave Coldwell lives and breathes, breathes it. It's unreal. You know, he's at home. What he watches the sparring, he watches the opponent, he watches, you know, he watches historical fight. He understands it. He lives and breathes it, and that's all he does. Mm. And that's why he's so successful. Yeah. So, so I think I could be a good trainer. But you'd have to give up everything.
everything. I'd have to give over everything else, and you know, I've put enough into this game of boxing. You put enough into table tennis, and yeah, exactly, and poker exactly. And- exactly. So at the moment, I think that to be the very best, to be the very best coach, it takes a hell of a lot of uh, time and energy. How did you reconcile your differences with with Derek? Mm-hmm. Did it did it sort of all subside after the fight, or did you have I've, to have a conversation? No, I've, I've never. You know, after we had our fight, um, Upton Park. Uh, we had a, a clear winner, and that was it. Since that point, there's never really been any beef in any sense. I've seen him out and about. We, we, we uh, hang out in the same places. We know similar people, you know, same people, and we've got friends in common. And we see each other out. We're always, always super, super polite and super mm. cool with each other. Um, obviously, there's that rival thing. You know, you're a boxer, I'm a boxer. We were both active boxers at the time, you know. But, you know, I think, you know, it must have taken a lot for him to... You know, a lot of mental strength from say, I tell you what, David. You know, after we've been through, you know, could you help me take that next level? And you know, you got to respect the man who you know puts him, his potential, whatever differences he may have had, to decide to look to progress himself. You know, a lot of people cut those off despite their face. Yeah. And you know, of course, their ego, they don't want to be seen to want anyone else's help. Yeah. But I think he's got. Yeah, he got to a point where he thought, okay. I know I'm world class. I want to take it to that next level, and it showed in his last fight that yeah. he he's, he was so much better in his last fight against um, uh, um, Dylan White than he was against Carlos Takam. Yeah, yeah. You know, although he got the win against Takam, he got battered for most of that fight. <laughs> but this fight, he was he was winning the fight. Mm. So I think it showed that he's done the right thing, um, and the whole infrastructure around him now is that of a world class athlete. Mm. Now I think he was playing at box up to that point. You know, he trained when he was in the gym, but outside of the gym. He wasn't really living the life as he should do. And this time around, he, he knows this is kind of his last chance. He's 35 years old. He can't afford to have any losses now. He knows you know, he wants a real run at this, this heavyweight title. The heavyweight divisions are made. There's so much money. There's so much prestige. There's so, much, there's so many eyes on the heavyweight division. There's, you know, there's three people who are considered number one. Mm. So there's plenty of roots. And they all need big opponents. Who's your number one? My number one at the moment, I'd say, is Anthony Joshua. Uh, for the simple fact... He's undefeated. Yeah. He doesn't have a draw. Who's the best of the three? I know. I, so I, know so I think on their. I, I, I genuinely think on their day, each of them have the ability to beat the yeah. others. Fury, I think. I, I think. I think yeah. Tyson Fury has the ability to outbox both Wilder, which he kind of did for did, most yeah. of the fight, and um, and AJ. Yeah. AJ. I think AJ can blast both of them out if he catches them on the chin, and the same thing for Wilder. Yeah. Um, I think they've all on their day. They they all have the ability and the the skill set to do it. I just think um, Anthony Joshua has had the toughest path so far, and he's proven in the ring what he can do. It's not about potential that he has. He hasn't had any draws. He hasn't had any close fights. No, the only fight he got dropped, he got back and knocked the guy down. Knocked the guy, knocked out Klitschko. Yeah, yeah. So on paper, he's fought the tougher guys. He fought um, Joseph Parker, who was undefeated, who was a champion. Pavetkin unified, Povetkin as well. Done an absolute number on him. So he's, every time he's been stepped up, he's, he's passed the test with mm. flying colours. So has the other two. Yeah. But they've both had a close fight against each other. So I can only judge him on their record. They've both got a draw. There was no winner. There was no loser, but there was no winner. They both had a fight where there was no winner. That's not happened to AJ. So on, just on looking at their records, I'll go with a guy who's never had a draw because no, there's an fair. argument this way. Yeah. There's no argument with Joshua at the moment, but he hasn't fought anyone as good as Wilder yeah. uh, or Fury yet. So but ju- it's just up and it's all up in the air. It is. You're right. Uh, question for you then. Chuck a, a prime David Hay into the heavyweight mix. 
So we're saying, I mean, listen, I'm going to let you decide what your prime was. I'm going to say probably around the 2012 Mark the Lick and I Value fight, something like that. At heavyweight, would you say? Or maybe a little bit later? When do you feel like your peak year was as a heavyweight? Um, you know, I'd say... I'd, when you were champion, presumably. I'd say physical peak. Uh, it's tough. I've... I don't well, know. Let's say, let's say whatever, whatever I'd say that, value was where I was able to do what I needed. It wasn't a, a physical, uh, it was more of an athletic performance opposed to uh, yeah. a tough boxing match. I didn't take many punches in that fight. Um, I'd say around about that point, uh, so against Aldi Harrison, I was, Aldi Harrison, I was, yeah. really, I was really in good nick for that one. How does he get well, on? I think similar to his answer a minute ago, like if you fire up Prime David Hay into the mix against Prime Fury Wilder. Joshua, I think they all have the ability to beat each other mm. on their nights, and it's one of them ones. They all they all fight each other ten times. It could be five all. Yeah. One of them ones. Yeah, you, 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 you can make an argument for it, either uh, either of us to beat any any of us. You know, it nearly happened with uh, Fury. Oh, nearly got that. Seen it. But if I, if that would have happened, and I would have won, everyone would have said he was too young then. He was yeah. only twenty one at the yeah. time. So you know. So and so even if I would have done, it would never. Have, there's it, always caveats. There's always caveats. There's always yeah. caveats in everything, but. It's just good that we have the three guys in the same era at the mm. moment, similar sort of similar sort of ages. They're both hungry. They're all undefeated. So it's just a they very healthy. They could time. all fight each other two they or three do. times. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like we hope this is what happens. You talk about like you know, Ali and Frazier and uh, Foreman and stuff. Yeah. I mean, you're going Ken back Nor- a long Ken time. Norton, Ken Norton, you know, real, yeah, but like some great fights. Why not? Why not? You know? Why not have two fights, three fights? Yeah. Why not? That'd be lovely, wouldn't it? It'd be great. It'd be great. It'd be great for boxing. It, and and that all fighters have such big, uh, engaging personalities. All yeah. of the fighters are superstars. Yeah. You know, all of them. You know, look at Wilder. You know, he's just such a he's just such a big personality. Even without the cameras rolling, even when he's in the gym having a, he's a massive personality. He's a fun guy. He's he's just a great guy to be around. And you know, I've never I haven't spent much time with uh, Fury, but apparently he's the same. He's a right laugh. And mm. you know, AJ's AJ. You know, it's. It's just a great time to be in amongst in amongst, in amongst the heavyweight division. Are you able in retirement now to just relax a bit and enjoy the company of those other guys? Because is there an element that when you're an active fighter, you have to be guarded around people who are your competition? Nah, not really. I've always been quite relaxed. I've never really felt, you know, I never really felt, you know, even like for instance, with, uh, when Wilder was in the gym, you know, he was a young heavyweight up and coming. I didn't really. Uh, I, didn't, I didn't think anything of it. He was just—he was, just, was helping me out, inspiring. I knew—I didn't—I knew there'd possibly be a chance. He'd then, obviously, after twenty-five or whatever yeah. his record, twenty-five fights unbeaten, you know, he could be a next guy. He was thinking he was coming up the rankings at the time, but I, ne- I never treated him any differently because of it. You know, I always—you know—what will be will be. Yeah. And um, you know, and here we are. The heavy, the, and here we are. The heavyweight—the heavyweight division is the vision where anything can happen. Know any opponent? You know the fact that I'm managing um, Derek Chisora now. Who would have Who would have thought that could happen? Who would have thought I'd have fought Tony Bellew and lost twice? Yeah. Anything could ha- Anything could happen yeah. in the heavyweight yeah, division. Put it like that. And, yeah. yeah, it's just it's just so all over the place. But it's, that's what that makes the heavyweight. Just speaking about Chisora there, like and talking about him being like a proper professional now. Yeah. A- Proper professional Derek Chisora is a very a, exciting uh, a, ingredient into the, into the mix here. Yeah. It's, it's well, a, you think after that second Fury fight, I can remember it was just quite a while ago now, I'm just thinking we're not going to see him again. He wasn't in and shape. Here we are five years later and he's, he's yeah. in better shape and with better prospects. Yeah, he, yeah. he wasn't in so, shape for that fight. You can no. see it. He was under motivated. He was just going through the motions and 
that guy's gone now. That guy is completely gone. He's he's you know, he's got a spin bike in his apartment. He lives up in, in Sheffield. He's 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 living like a real professional. It's crazy to think that he's been a, a professional for twelve odd years. But now he's only finally the last, you know, up before the um, Dylan White fight is the first time he really started to take things seriously. Yeah. He came down to my gym, he did the sessions, I was doing the sessions with him and he was he was living and breathing. I could see it, you could see it in his body shape, everything changed. And you know, I'm sure he'll wish he, he did that years prior, but everything happens for a reason. Here exactly, we are yeah. and, you know, he's, he's, at the, he's at a stage now where he can really do something special. We haven't seen, people, where I've seen it behind closed doors, Dave Colbell's seen it. Not very many people have seen him in the shape he's at Throwing the shots he can throw for his, me- he can throw combinations from start to finish. Well, yeah, he never to- used to be able to do that. He used no. three or four combinations. He was <gasps> walking mm. forward, taking shots, wasn't moving his head, sort of blocking punches with his <laughs> face. Now he's slipping, countering. He's he's a completely different animal, mm. and it's a, as you said, it's a, he's a problem for people. Yeah. He'll be a real, real problem. It's going to be very interesting. Um, we'd love to get you and him on the show together at some point to talk about your history and the, and the journey you took together. Would you be up for that? Yeah, of course. That would be great. We'll speak to Derek. Couldn't could afford it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's all right. I'll forego my fee for the day. It's fine. Um, before we go, yeah. uh, we do this thing called the 32 second challenge with 32 red. So it's 32 seconds. I'm going to read you a list of single words and I need you to think of the first thing that comes into your head and just say it out loud. Can you do that for okay. me? Right, okay. I'm just going to check that our producer side's got the <coughs> stopwatch ready. He has. Uh, okay, 32 second challenge. Here we go. Peabody Estate. Bermondsey. Fitzroy Lodge. Uh, child. Carl Thompson. Uh, warrior. Valuev. Giant. Winning a world title. Destiny. John Ruiz. Tough as our boots. Millwall. Uh, hooligan. Uh, Audley Harrison. <laughs> Good friend. Klitschko. Uh, holding. Chisora. <laughs> uh, war. Joshua. Uh, classy. Frampton. <laughs> I was going to say Go on, what are you going to say? Timing up. But I'm going to let you... No, no. I'm starting to so let no, you finish. I, uh, uh, I was going to say, no, I can't what really say What were we going to say, Sam? <laughs> Absolutely, you have to now. You have to now. No, no, no. Carl no. um, Frampton... Um, Oh, come on, David. You have to tell me after. Yeah. Um, Midget. Oh, come on. What do you mean, come on? I, 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 wouldn't, have, I wouldn't have thought that was bad. Table tennis. Table tennis. We'll get you guys playing a game next time. See if I'm known just for my table tennis exploits, I'll dare happy man. I'm not convinced you're as good as everyone says. No, he is, trust me. <laughs> He's all right. Well, listen, what a pleasure. Thank you so much for coming on and, and sharing. And good luck to Derek on the 20th of April as well um, at the O2, isn't Still it? Still some tickets left, so uh, get down. You know, it's going to be a great fight. Master promoter. Um, many thanks to David Hay. Uh, we'll be back in seven days' time, as always. Remember to check out our other episodes here on Joe. Other shows as well, House of Rugby, uh, with James Haskell, Mike Tindall and Alex Payne. And, of course, Boys Don't Cry with Russell Kane. This has been TKO Round 9, done and dusted. Thanks for watching, and we'll see you in seven days' time. You've been listening to TKO on Joe, together with 32 Red.